Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. This is Front Row Knowles, and it is just like Christmas morning, Keith. We got that schedule on Monday night, and we opened it up, and then we liked some of it, and then there's somebody gave us socks, and we're not really thrilled about that. But all in all, pretty good holiday, right? You know what I'm saying? It certainly allows people to start planning their schedules and their trips, and everybody uh, that wants to travel to uh, away a game or two, uh, the opportunity to do that. You know, it doesn't matter what you do with the schedule. There will be someone who is not happy with it. You know, it's the age old thing. If you came up with a schedule and everybody was uh, pleased and it would be the wrong schedule. Uh, you, you've got to have some uh, folks on one side or the other. But I, I agree with you. I like the schedule. Uh, I'd love for us to get back to the two buys. Uh, we'll probably talk about that with Bob some when uh, he comes on and joins us next segment. But um, all in all, uh, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, me too. So Bob Ferranti, our Osceola Insider next segment. We'll break it down. We'll have a meaty conversation about the schedule. Then uh, Jim Curry is going to join us from FSU Athletics to talk a little bit about how this sausage is made. But uh, I like it. You had two northern games, so you knew one of them was going to be cold weather. You got Boston in September, which is beautiful. By the way, Red Sox-Yankees that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday before the Saturday game. So schedule your uh, trip accordingly. The at-pit game's early November, so baseball season will be over. That's disappointing. But Pitt's a good time, too, and we've only been up there once. So a lot to like and react to, and we'll do it right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. It's that time of year where we get to dissect the schedule because this is all we can do for several months until spring practice starts. Tom and Keith with you, and we open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, who has already dissected the schedule. And Bob, on a scale of one to 10, you would give this a what in terms of the way it lays out? I think you have to give it a, a, a solid eight or nine. I, I think I understand where fans are finding flaws with this schedule. You know, one of the things Jerry Cutts mentioned, we were, we did a podcast late Monday night talking about it. Three straight home games is a challenge for fans who live down in South Florida, live Atlanta or North into the Carolinas. If you have to plan multiple trips to Tallahassee, three straight home games is far from ideal. If you're a local fan, Tallahassee or the Panhandle, a lot easier. There are a couple of consecutive road games that makes it a little bit more challenging, I think, logistically for, for maybe the, the players in, in some regards. But in truth, you're going to play who you're going to play. 
I like the early buy. I love Florida State Clemson playing in September because we may see both those teams face off again in Charlotte in December. So, so really, the schedule is is pretty darn good. There's there's some things that you would like to draw up a little bit differently, but this is an almost impossible task for the ACC office. And in the end, you're not going to have anybody really be truly happy happy with it in the end. I made the comment to you before we came on the air. Uh, have we now fully arrived? So now that we complain about the schedule, uh, maybe we are back. Maybe we are a top 10 program. Yeah. I'm not sure if, if you've noticed, but it's kind of a societal thing nowadays, Keith, to just complain about everything and not offer solutions. So this is what we do, yes. Well, I celebrated. <laughs> I was told, and so therefore I celebrated. Last Sunday, I was told, was National Curmudgeon Day. So I celebrated that. <laughs> I agree with you, uh, as you should have, as you should have. I agree with you, Bob. I like the Clemson game in September. And a lot of focus on September already knew that Florida State was going to open with LSU. And unlike a year ago where you had a warm-up game, this year there is no warm-up game, right? I do think as a side note, and we can talk about this as the game gets much closer, LSU might be breaking in a new quarterback. I know Jaden Daniels returns, but it would not surprise me if it was the other guy who ended up being the starter in that game. Now he's played some, but anyway, I, I like LSU. I like what it does to practice, uh, Keith. Now this is kind of the opposite spin of last year where we said you can ease into it. Now you know from, from right now, there's no easing into it. You better mind your P's and Q's from the first day you roll out the football. Uh, and then you get a game of that magnitude and get to correct whatever mistakes, hopefully after a win, before you get to Clemson. So, I mean, I like all that. I don't have a problem with it. The other part of it, Tom, just to echo it and maybe amplify, it's not just fall practice. LSU's on your mind right now when you're going through tour of duty. They're on your mind when you're going through spring. They're on your mind when you're going through the expanded uh, things that coaches can do with kids over the summer. Uh, so in that regard, uh, it's always in the forefront. Yeah, I think people might be listening to this and saying that that we're trying to spin it either way because like there was an advantage to playing Duquesne because you wanted a young team to have that extra week of practice and where you were as a program, you needed more practice time. Now you can say, well, this team is more veteran, has more leadership. You've got guys who, who have been there, done that. Um, it, it, it's not a program that necessarily needs that kind of warm up pseudo preseason game um i would argue though still in the end if you look at this this the number of opponents and the quality of them in at this point of the year i still think lsu is the toughest opponent on the schedule you wouldn't want to open with potentially your toughest opponent but it does get your attention throughout the offseason and sets the bar of, of what you have to work through for all these months leading up to that game and LSU will have been a year in Brian Kelly's system or a year more by the time FSU plays him. And, and if FSU fans haven't noticed, LSU has done really well in the portal, too. It might be the two teams that did the best in the portal in terms of going out and, and getting good talent. But I do think, going back to the quarterback point, we'll see what happens with LSU. Boston College, you get in week three on the road, but they're breaking in a new quarterback. And then you get Clemson. And while it's not a new quarterback, it's going to be his fourth start of the year. And he started, what, the bowl game last year? And you've got Jordan Travis, who I've lost track, but what Travis by that point will be what, making his 25th start, something like that. So I guess what I'm saying is I prefer Clemson given a, a, a young or a less experienced quarterback early in the season as compared to late October. 
and that's a game if you look at it you know you think Florida State has a good shot to be three and zero going into Clemson Clemson's schedule has Duke to start then they have a couple of you know non-conference guarantee games this could be an ESPN game day type of game September 23rd at Clemson just because this feels like you know easily the, the best two ACC teams that the teams with the fewest questions going into the year this could be a truly high profile pressure game on both programs but in the end I don't think the loser feels like oh no we're not going to get back into the division race because there is no division race anymore the beauty is that you want to win it but if you lose it you're still got a really good shot to recover and again have that shot to play for a conference title and I think that speaks to the doing away with the divisions, which I, I, you know, when the divisions first came out, we all said that's a good thing. And then that gum, we didn't get Georgia Tech as one of our permanent members or whatever the case may be. And now we've, we've all shifted back the other way. Uh, I guess 10 or 15 years from now, we'll be complaining about the no divisions. But uh, as it sits right now, I like it. And just, again, use my phrase, echo uh, what Bob was talking about. You can lose that game and still recover. You lose in late October, it's hard to recover. So two thoughts to process quickly. There's the glass is half empty versus the glass is half full. So what if you finish September and you go into your bye week and you're two and two because you've lost to LSU and Clemson? And now all the steam is out of everything, right? But what if you are four and oh going into a bye week and you've already played two conference road games which means of your six remaining conference games, four of them are at home. I mean, if that scenario unfolds, it's going to be unlike anything we've seen in Tallahassee in quite some time. Yeah, you have to feel pretty good about yourself if you have. I think that's that's the one of the toughest stretches of this schedule because a couple of these games are on the road. But yeah, it's a well-placed buy, I think. You, know, you can argue that you might want a buy before Clemson, but then Clemson might say, well, we want the buy before Florida State too. The, the timing is advantageous, I think, for Florida State to regroup. And, and then you go into those, those th three straight home games. We haven't seen three straight home games since 2012. So that's going to be a really interesting kind of component. Um, but I, I, I like the way the schedule sets up. If you take care of business, um, I think the schedule will be favorable for Florida State. Guys, I know we play uh, LSU on Sunday, but then, you know, the next 11 games are all on Saturdays. Did anybody pick up on anything or read anything about when or if Florida State was going to be or not going to be playing on a Thursday night or a Friday night? I mean, it seems a little unusual that uh, they were able to escape, you know, some of those scheduling uh, burps that come along. We'll see if we can dig into that. Go ahead, Bob. No, I was going to say the same thing. I'd be curious what Jim Curry says. I mean, did Florida State do a number of favors for the conference uh, in 2022? For example, playing that Florida State-Florida game on a Friday, I, I think in some regards is a favor for the conference to, to give the conference a high-profile slot in, in, a, in a standalone slot right after Thanksgiving. And, and Florida State again played at Louisville on a Friday. So they were very accommodating. Um, I, historically, Jim Curry has told you all and, and us that there's a little bit of a give and take in the negotiations. You can ask for things. You can make a request for the conference. They'll try to accommodate. And then the conference has to put together all these different permutations of a schedule. So I, I think that'll be really interesting 
you know, for us to listen to what, what Jim says about, you know, what did Florida State ask for? What did Mike Norvell want? What did Michael Alford want as far as what made the most sense? A few things there, Bob. So I thought because Veterans Day itself is a Saturday, November 11th, but the holiday is November 10th, which means the university's closed, which means you could have hosted a home game on a Friday. So in my mind, now you wouldn't want to do that with the Miami game, but I kind of thought maybe FSU would would be asked to do that. But when you look at the ACC schedule, and I, and I forget the exact details, but I think the league is required to play three Friday night games a year, and one's at Syracuse, one's at Boston College, and I forget the – and maybe it's the Friday after Thanksgiving. But beyond those three Friday night games, there's not very many on Friday this year. There's more on Thursday than there were last year. And I don't know if that's ESPN seeing an opportunity because the NFL is now you've got to be subscribed to Prime to see the Thursday night game. Like last year, there weren't as many Thursday night college football games. And maybe this year ESPN is going back and saying, hey, not everybody's signing up to pay a monthly subscription to Amazon to see a dog of an NFL game on Thursday. So let's put college there. But regardless, FSU's not in it, and that is a question for Jim Curry. I'm pretty sure that uh, next year, the 24 season, FSU is going to be back in the Monday night Labor Day game, and I think that's at home. I don't know against who, but so there is continued conversation about putting Florida State in the prime windows, obviously. I I would prefer Thursday much more than Friday. My, my argument against Friday still is you can't host recruits when they're playing high school football games, if you put a premier game in Tallahassee on a Friday night or even a premier road game, how many of your prospects can watch you? I, I still feel like I'm old school, maybe a curmudgeon here, KJ, but I want Friday night to belong to high school football. Now, I also respect that ESPN says Friday's a ratings window for the ACC or other conferences. That's where you can make money. And again, Jim Phillips is always saying, where can we find revenue streams? He's going to seek a revenue stream. And it's, it's whatever ESPN says. If ESPN says we've got a, a, a good window for the conference, then the ACC is going to have to jump on it. That's where the money is going to be. So it, it's, it is what it is. So let's look after September. You mentioned the three straight home games. Now, one thing that's interesting there. Florida State hasn't played Virginia Tech in a while. I mean, that's an uncommon opponent. I guess it was Willie's first game, right? But you're not seeing the Hokies come in very frequently, so that'll be a draw. I wouldn't say Duke's a draw, but we've been a long time since FSU played Duke every year. They did play him in the COVID season. Duke's actually been pretty respectable under their new head coach this past year. Um, but you, that's a good point that Jerry brings up about three straight home games. Uh, you get at Wake Forest on October 28th. Now, that's later than usual, but remember, Wake – will be breaking in a new quarterback at that point. He's, a, he is their quarterback because you're eight games in. But if you look at what fate wake forest traditionally does, including last year, and it's because of attrition as guys get hurt, wake is much, a much stronger football team. The first six games of the year than the last six. Matter of fact, if you look at the November record of Dave Clawson, it's not really good. And this game butts up against November on October 28th. So I take that as a win, given all the horrors that FSU has had in Winston-Salem. Would you agree? Yeah, we just got to, uh, what's the proper word? Get rid of the horrors, because it has not been much fun up there of late. Yeah. Exercise, that's what I was trying to look for. And then, I, I, go ahead, Bob. I was just going to say, I just want to know that, that Dave Clawson doesn't have a backup quarterback who basically has a master's degree in the slow mesh, because he's been doing it in practice watching Sam Hartman for for 15 years. I mean, let's just make sure there's not another Sam Hartman type of guy 
in the weeds back there. They lost some other guys, though, too. Didn't they lose their key DL and their key receiver? I mean, whereas FSU yeah. got their biggest names to come back at receiver and DL. Wake, Wake lost that. Uh, so you, you go to Pitt the next week. Now, Florida State's only played at Pitt once, and it was Jameis's first game. I knew when you had road games at BC and Pitt, one of them was going to be a cold weather game. But all things considered, I'll take November 4th over November 18th. It's two weeks better, right? Um, and then you get Miami, North Alabama, and at Florida. So, I mean, I don't have complaints about the schedule, really. I, I, I like it overall. Yeah, and I was trying to, you know, ask the guys on the staff, you know, what do you feel is the toughest back-to-back? Honestly, we can't come up with a consensus as to which ones are the toughest back-to-back games. And maybe that says something about the strength of the conference not not looking so tough at this point. Like, I could argue that at Clemson and at BC is a tough one just, just because. But then you could also look at at Wake and at Pitt. You can look at Duke and Wake. I, I mean, it, it's, it sets up, again, very, very well, I think, for Florida State being so deep as a team, you can maybe withstand injuries better. You know, remember, you know, last fall, Florida State playing Wake, NC State, Clemson back-to-back, a lot of defensive line injuries. It, you can withstand a couple more injuries this time around just because you're, you're, you're much more deeper. you got guys coming back. You've hit the portal so well. I, one thing I would love to see long-term, and this is a, a separate discussion, though, too, would love to see two buys for all these teams every year exactly where tom and i both were going you're, you're uh, reading my mind bob i was gonna time. save it i was gonna save it for jim but it's a very simple here's the deal nobody can practice before august 1st that's the first day period then you can choose if you want a week zero game or not if you play a week zero game you get another bye week if you don't play a week zero game because you feel like you need more preseason practice well that's your choice but let's just put it out there and be done with the one bye week. That is, that is, am I getting more convincing, Keith, in selling this? We've been talking about I, it for 10 years now. I don't think you're any better, but I think the argument is getting better. Your, your, your articulation of it is weaker, but the argument is stronger. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate your support. Um, <laughs> of course, there are some, what is it, like one out of every seven years, the calendar aligns as it did last year where you do get two bye weeks. You know, maybe it's two out of seven years. Um, hey, quick thing before we let you go, though, not on buys, Bob, but you pointed out that the ACC voluntold its its member institutions to not schedule uh, home and homes with, uh, well, what is it, with non-Power Fives, not play road games at non-Power Fives. There's really no upside. Did they just address that to the University of Miami and say, don't play at Appalachian State again? Or how did that memo go out? And then they CC'd the rest? <laughs> Well, Rick Stockstill, I mean, we, we can thank, you know, KJ's friend and teammate. I mean, Rick Stockstill does it to Miami down there. Um, yes, Mac Brown battled Appalachian State. I think Jim Curry will say this is the challenge financially of finding good opponents who will come to you on a guarantee. But yes, I mean, in the end, this is Jim Phillips saying the ACC has to be better at football. And you can't suffer a bad non-conference group of five loss or even worse, an FCS loss. You cannot suffer those because the perception of your conference from a football standpoint is just severely diminished. I think it's a good measure by Jim Phillips in the conference. Certain ADs will push back and say, hey, you've just made scheduling a lot more tougher on us too. How do we make this work? 
for example, does this eventually push toward the ACC goes to a, a nine game in conference model to get more, more games, more inventory on the ACC network. Then you would have the Florida States, the Clemsons who say, we like our non-conference opponents. We want to protect our rivalries. This gets a real, really, really complex. But I think in the end, the goal is get better at football. And that's the message Jim Phillips is, is sending to everybody. We got to take a break because we've run heavy in this segment. Bob, appreciate it, sir. Take care, guys. All right, more front run holes after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, let's continue the schedule talk. Thanks to Bob Frante from the Osceola for his insight on this. And Jim Curry now joins us, and uh, Jim has been a friend of the program over the years, of course, uh, with the FSU Athletics Department. A fourth-floor guy, right? Associate Athletics Director for FSU, and uh, in charge of the scheduling or involved in the scheduling. I'll let you explain there, but I guess I'm, I'm curious when the schedule conversations first happen. I mean, are you guys – is it November and this is starting? Is it July? Is it two weeks ago? And especially now with no divisions – just kind of walk us through when these conversations begin about what it might look like. Yeah, you said two weeks ago. It's more like two years ago. Um, it's a very iterative process. And, you know, part of the schedule formation for the league starts with non-conference schedule. Um, and, you know, fundamentally, you're trying to get to a place where um, you've got an even number of conference teams that are playing uh, every week. Um, and that just kind of helps with placement of uh, either conference games or uh, the bi-week placement. Um, so I know that both of those are of interest to everybody that follows scheduling. Uh, so it really kind of starts many years before you see the schedule. And it's a it's a collaborative process across the league. Um, you know, the folks across the league that are involved in uh, scheduling, football scheduling at their respective schools, uh, meet. we meet monthly um, and we talk years out uh, about um, the balance of, of odds and evens and, and where, um, you know, where, where games could go and what, what future planning looks like across the uh, entire ACC membership. Jim, I'm one, and I'm sure there are others. I really like doing away with the divisions. What, what was uh, FSU's position? What were your thoughts going into that? And, and how do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I, I think the opportunity to be able to, you know, visit more institutions, uh, in that four-year period, um, and get some other schools here at, at Doak. Um, you know that that's a welcome change. Um, you know, I think when, particularly with the old divisions, you know, we we kind of knew, but I mean, with Pitt, for example, I mean, we haven't been there in ten years. Uh, it's been 2015 since we went to Georgia Tech. I mean, we can we can rattle it all off. We know where we haven't been, and so it's exciting to get the opportunity to visit some of those schools. COVID gave us an opportunity for that to manufacture some of that. Um, and uh, so it's, it's, I think it's kind of exciting and refreshing while still being able to maintain some of those traditional rivals with Miami and Clemson uh, and still have a presence up in the Northeast uh, within across the broad footprint of the ACC by going to Syracuse every other year. So for the ACC, did it make it easier because there's more options and teams available without the divisions or was it more challenging because this is the first year that they had to put this schedule together like this? Yeah, I don't know if it became any more challenging or, or less so. Um, and I think it goes back to how you kind of fundamentally put things in place with availability. 
Um, you know, I think one of the things that struck me this year, which again, compliment to the folks at the league office who, you know, manage this, um, is that if I'm not mistaken, all of the schools have got their bye week um, in a little four week segment there in the middle of the year. Uh, and so, you know, scheduling in the ACC is <laughs> is challenged by two things that maybe other leagues don't have to deal with as much as the ACC. And one is the Notre Dame scheduling agreement um, and having to manage around that. Uh, because those games go throughout the year, uh, which leads to, uh, again, odds and evens analysis, right? Uh, and an odd placement or odd number of available teams uh, in the conference schedule. And that can happen early or late in the year. And if you can't find another non-conference opponent for a team within the league, that necessitates a buy for somebody. Uh, and um, the other piece of it is the number of non-Saturday TV obligations that the ACC has as part of its TV agreement. Uh, I think the number is an average of like 1.8 a year uh, per school of non-Saturday obligations. So when we have a year like this one where we've only got the one non-Saturday on Sunday against LSU and we play Saturday throughout the rest of the year, I mean, that that's unusual in a good way for Florida State. Jim, you may not want to truthfully or completely answer this question, but Tom and I were talking about and Bob were talking about, you know, you play the Florida game on a Friday last year. That hadn't been done since I was playing. So the dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. Do you get credit for things like that? I.e. this year, you've got the Sunday game, but that's an opening game or prearranged. And then you go 11 straight on Saturdays. You've not been asked to play on that Thursday night or Friday night. Is there a little bit of a trade-off there? Can you negotiate a little bit of that year to year to year? Uh, you know, I would tell you, I think that, I would tell you that I think of, why we're playing Saturday this year um, for all games other than LSU is probably more so a byproduct of two things. One, uh, one is the, 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 the inventory needs of ESPN this year. So the big 10 agreement is now in place. They're going to have, you know, basically no big 10 inventory uh, for ESPN, ABC. There is the, we still got another year before the SEC deal uh, switches uh, over to ESPN. So they still have some CBS inventory. So, ESPN really needs more ACC games this year than, you know, any year prior. Um, and so I think that coupled with the fact that the expectations are high for Florida State, um, you know, that that just kind of leads to, all right, we, we need to we need to slot Saturdays and we want to slot them with, with with the team that's got great expectations. And so, you know, Florida State fits the bill in that regard. Um, I would tell you that just generally speaking, our conversations with the with ESPN about our, you know, broader approach to scheduling has always been received very favorably by the folks at ESPN. Uh, I think the fact that we schedule 10 power fives every year, and there's been a lot of discussion about scheduling a group of five opponents and what have you in the last couple of days, uh, but that's been a conversation for quite some time. Uh, but I think the fact that we schedule 10 power fives on a routine basis, um, they view that very favorably. Uh, the fact that we schedule, you know, a group of five opponent and an FCS opponent on a recurring basis each year, um, they don't look negatively down on that uh, because of the strength of the 10 that we normally put uh, on the schedule on an annual basis. And I'll remind our listeners that Alabama and Georgia are on the schedule in future years too, right? So it. it's not like it's not like that's changing. Jim, a, a few questions here. Was there any thought given that that the Veterans Day holiday is on a Friday this year? And I know the complexities around hosting a home game on a weekday at FSU. Was that a topic of conversation to possibly look at something around Veterans Day? So yeah. So when you talk about the different elements that go into scheduling uh, across the conference, 
uh, one of the things that they have to manage is the fact that we've got a prohibition on playing games at uh, in Tallahassee on class dates, right? So when uh, when we have opportunities that present themselves like Veterans Day, which was a great success years ago when we did that with uh, on Friday night with Boston College uh, or the Monday night opportunity with Labor Day, uh, we get a lot of uh, there's a lot of thought about putting Florida State and other schools that have similar prohibitions in those in those uh, on those dates. Uh, I do know there was some discussion about it. Uh, frankly, there was some discussion about it as early as two years ago, um, at least just in their calculus. But I think it goes back to just some of the other elements that come into play. Um, one being you know, inventory needs. Uh, but then I think, two, when you look at the opponent for that particular week this year, uh, it would uh, that, that would certainly command a Saturday time a Saturday slot. Uh, when you're playing Miami. Uh, and so I think putting those things together. Now, again, there was an opportunity uh, that we had actually gone to them a couple of years ago for that. Um, and they actually passed on it because, again, some of the other scheduling needs. So it's always there whenever, particularly with the Veterans Day, when we've got the Friday uh, day off and the university's closed. Uh, but uh, the last two times it's been available, we played on Saturday that weekend. Uh, let me jump in with another one, Keith. The, the, uh, the Thursday night games this year, this is just a hypothesis, maybe totally wrong, Jim, but you'll know. Feels like the ACC has gone back to more Thursday night games this year compared to Friday. Maybe not. I'm just wondering if the fact the NFL is, you know, it's more pay-per-view for the NFL on Thursday now because you have to get Amazon Prime. If that was part of an ESPN or ACC decision to say, well, let's let's counter program with some more college football on Thursday. Yeah, the non-Saturday obligations uh, uh, per the TV contract really kind of demand that. Um, so where they go and who they are, there is some there is some flexibility there. Uh, you know, we've seen Fridays in the past. Uh, you know, that first week of the year, ESPN, a, a, the AC has obligations all five days uh, of that first weekend. Um, and so beyond that, there's additional requirements uh, that, you know, that's where you'll see the Thursdays and the Fridays come on board. So I think part of that is a TV uh, contract obligation that the AC, at the ACC has with ESPN. Uh, and then part of it, too, is inventory and matchups. Jim, again, not to divulge any, you know, proprietary information or public or private conversations, but how much is Mike involved? I mean, I know he's involved. But, you know, there were stories where Jimbo said, we don't want to do this. And, and Coach Bowden always said, whatever you want to do, we'll do it. I mean, talk, just talking in framework about uh, things like that, including in 2023, you may end up playing Clemson twice. Yeah. You know, if, if they both make it to Charlotte. Yeah, totally. Um, we definitely pull Coach Norvell into the conversation just to get some thoughts. Um, you know, obviously, what we can do on the institutional level is – somewhat limited, right? Um, you know, now with that said, you know, who we schedule in the non-conference and where we slot those, um, those are very, very intentional, calculated decisions. Um, you know, we take that back to even the week zero game last year. Uh, and Mike was part of that conversation when we, when we considered that. Um, and so uh, then from there, uh, when we talk to the league, the league does like to know if there's some weekends that we are particularly sensitive to um, across the league uh, at member schools. Um, you know, we don't have like a fall holiday. So we're at Florida State. So we're a little 
Um, less subject to some of that, obviously having two schools that play in NFL venues, those are considerations as well. Um, so when you start thinking about all the different elements that go into the conference schedule itself, they obviously add up pretty quickly. Um, so for us, I think it became a, at least in this particular year, became an evaluation of uh, looking at opponents uh, and trying to see if there's some way that we could position uh, some of the the, the the northern schools out uh, a little bit earlier in the year. Uh, we did some things to try to, at our best, protect that uh, a home date on the 11th of November, uh, and we were able to do that successfully. Um, that had a kind of a, a dual effect. One, it, it gave us uh, assurances that we'd have back-to-back -back home games going into the Florida road game, uh, but it also gave us a little bit of um, – you know, assurances that maybe we could prevent having to go to BC or Pitt later in November. Um, so, you know, again, those are just some things that we think about as we put some things together. Uh, we do have some conversations with the league about where we'd like to see the buy placement. The buy is a little earlier than we probably want this year. Obviously, the three home games in a row is something that we try to avoid. We haven't done that here in over 10 years, and that's a very intentional effort. Uh, but so those are some of the things that uh, you like to see and ideally uh, from the institutional level would like to really realize but when those things start to move there's a daisy chain effect obviously with the rest of the conference schedule and very intentional in scheduling syracuse as a permanent proper a partner when you have to go there in november because it doesn't matter doesn't matter right exactly you're inside <laughs> as a sideline guy i appreciate all that sentiment we're talking with jim curry the senior associate athletics director for fsu jim let's go a little wider not so much this season but we know that the playoff is expanding and uh, I'll remind you, by the way, of the Block Jones uh, bi-week proposal. We're in favor of uh, nobody can start practice before August 1. Every institution can choose whether they want to play week zero or not. You want to play week zero and get two buys, you do it. You're not ready. You want to play week one. So that's our just work on that. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm more curious, what are the ramifications potentially as you look a couple years down the road to what the scheduling calendar is going to look like, given that a lot more teams are going to be playing a lot more games? Yeah, I mean, that is is definitely a consideration. And, you know, I think the ACC has done a really good job in taking a lead role in looking at the football calendar um, throughout the year in a very holistic way. Uh, some of the recruiting feedback that you're starting to see kind of pick up some media attention here over the last week is a byproduct of those efforts. And not only is it just in a recruiting context, but uh, just the entire calendar as a whole, the competition season, the practice season, those types of things. Um, you know, with the expanded playoff, uh, there's certainly been some folks that have talked about whether or not activating and making week zero a permissive opportunity as opposed to maybe a required activity. That is certainly a discussion point. Uh, but as you noted, uh, that can lead to the uh, the the, uh, the summer practice season starting much sooner. Uh, like, for example, if you play week zero in 2024, your first permissible practice date based on the current rules would be July 24. Um, that's that's pretty early. That's early. That's pretty early. And then not only that, but then you're 17 weeks and then you've got inclusive of the, the conference championship game and then uh, four rounds of playoff in 2024. So, you know, it's 12 teams, but it's four rounds. And I think sometimes that gets lost in all of this uh, because of the way they've structured the buys for the first four seeds. Jim, uh, this isn't, this is just me opining or pointing out that uh, Florida State played in the first ever BCS championship game and the last ever BCS championship game and the first ever four-team playoff. And now we got a lot of hype about the last ever four-team playoff. I don't know that you want to react to and that. And then the first 12-team playoff. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if we can get there. 
I, I guess uh, the, the broader question there is, I'm sure in what you do, uh, I, I mean, you're a company guy and you've always been great, but just as with what I do, when the team is winning and the program is trending up, it's a lot more fun and enjoyable. And I know there's, you know, you got to pump the brakes a little on the hype machine, but it's going to be a fun year this year. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, it's it's been enjoyable to see the vision that Coach Norvell, you know, you know, talked about again going through the search process when we hired him. Um, and I had the, the the fortunate pleasure of of you know being on those interviews with President Thrasher and David Coburn and Ed Burr and uh, Glenn Sugiyama from DHR. And and uh, you know, it, it's um, you could see his passion and his vision for what he was trying to do you know, from the very first conversation we had with him, and to kind of see that you know, kind of come to fruition and, and the fruits of all those efforts, it, you know, also on top of all the different unexpected adversities that he had to endure, particularly with COVID, um, you know, it's it's just so, it, it's awesome, really. Um, and I think what's so um, incredible about it, and you see this in, in so many different ways, uh, but you've seen it, you know, uh, you know, this past weekend where he, he pops by the women's basketball game and talks to Coach Sue and and Leonard, uh, or, or you know, he he's sending a thank you to David Plack for the work that they do uh, in around here. You know, one of the things that he has he made it a, a point of emphasis when we had our very first conversation with the interview process, and he continues to to do it to this day is that it's 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 everybody is a part of this program. It's it's taking all of us working together and the importance of, of alignment and partnership and collaboration uh, to make this happen. Um, I think you've seen that uh, manifest itself in so many different ways throughout the university, whether that be, you know, the success we're having on the field, um, you know, maybe some of the things that we're doing in the NIL space that are working well for our student athletes, um, you know, just the leadership alignment we've got throughout the entire university. Um, you know, it's just, it just materializes, but that, that broader mindset um, and, and the approach and then just, you know, getting to work um, but being doing it in such a, a such a respectful, collaborative way, um, you know, you, you, we could spend the entire show and seven more just talking about, um, you know, what he's done in terms of the positive impact he's had, not just in the football program, uh, but the department and the university as a whole. I will remind Tom, and I probably haven't had this conversation you with Jim, with you, Jim, but I was standing at Millionaire, the FBO, waiting to tour on a basketball trip, standing yeah. by Deckerhoff. And you got off the plane and Mr. Burr got off the plane and David got off the plane and other people got off the plane. We knew where you'd been, didn't know what the conversations were. I grabbed you and I said, well, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And you had that poker face on and appropriately weren't discussing anything. But Colburn was a little different. He came over and he wouldn't say anything, Jim, but he looked at me and Gene and he says, I think we found our guy. <laughs> Jim's yeah. not going to react. We're not going to put him on the spot with that, Keith. But <laughs> no, it was good. No, it was. I, I I remember that conversation vividly. So, and uh, I heard David say it as well, and uh, I couldn't have agreed with him more. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jim, we'll let you go. We appreciate a few minutes of your time. Uh, thanks as always for all you do for FSU. Yeah, appreciate. Likewise, guys, appreciate all you do and go Knowles. Thank you, Jim. All right, we'll wrap up front row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios.
All right, a couple minutes to react to that. Jim Curry, always so good at uh, it's science and art is really what he's saying about how you put together the schedule, Keith. It's a little of this, a little of that, sometimes little things you don't want, but uh, it all shakes out in the end. Well, and he's also presenting it well, having my uh, relationship with Monk uh, prior to his passing and, and Monk being involved in that. It is an extreme, you wouldn't think it would be. And I understand that, that fans don't truly appreciate, but it is an unbelievably complicated thing. And uh, he, he presents it in a very forthright and upright way. But I can assure you, there are some conversations along the way where, you know, people get a little testy and get a little focused and that's okay. Uh, the end product works out very, very well. And we're very, very fortunate, in my opinion, to have Jim uh, being the point person for that. He, he has a demeanor and a way about him, uh, along with his knowledge and his experience that I think serves us very, very well. And there's always a little bit of compromise or trade-off in there. So you've got no Thursday or Friday games this year. But he was quick to point out that Florida State works very hard to not schedule three home games in a row, which is going to happen this year in October. First time it's happened in over a decade. So that's not going to be the norm. Uh, hopefully the product on the field will be enough to overcome the distance that people will have to travel to come to back-to-back-to-back games because it should be a pretty good year. I would agree, and uh, we didn't talk about it. There'll be some conversation down the road, but uh, as we've uh, mentioned, the uh, possibility of being a Thursday night game to open up the 24 season. So Florida State coming off whatever they do in 23 might be right back in the spotlight and the limelight uh, when 24 opens which will be nothing new. All right, we're out of time. Thanks to Bob Ferrante. Thanks to Jim Curry. Thanks to you guys for listening. As always, we'll do it again next week right here on Front Row Knowles.